there, hi there. This is Generation Tech. I'm Todd Brinker. We're talking to you on Tuesday, January 5th. I am joined, as always, by my dad, Jack Brinker. How are you doing today? Doing good, Todd. Good to hear your voice. Likewise. Get back to our fun talks here. Yeah, yeah, I look forward to it. Now, this week we are coming to everybody a little late. Last week we took the holiday off, and uh, and normally we, we broadcast on Mondays, and this week and next week we'll be putting the show out on Tuesdays. For those who, who uh, download it for streaming, it doesn't really matter, other than it just will be available a day later. For those who, who try to catch it live, um, uh, live streaming, rather, if you download it for podcasts, it doesn't matter. If you're catching it live streaming... Uh, we're doing it around eight o'clock on Tuesday, today and tomorrow. Um, and, uh, you know, tune in, enjoy. So, um, what's new? What's new? Well, the newest thing is that just before we started the show, I thought we, we might want to review what we just talked about. And that is we, uh, I'm, I was a little fascinated about the sounds that various mm-hmm. uh, uh, are lead-ins for shows on TV or radio or whatever. Mm-hmm. A lot of people use music and, and all of that. And uh, we just faced the Skype login sound, which is kind of right. interesting. Anybody who has uh, used Skype knows that's what you get to listen to until somebody picks up at the other end and you're going, please pick up, please pick up. But anyway, we we immediately started discussing yeah. little tunes like that, and uh, yeah. and uh, there's a, quite a variety of of different songs out there. But this one mm-hmm. is repetitious, odd infinitum. It just goes on with that little yeah, two, yeah. It'll two go on forever because it's just repeating the same you know few notes. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and in, in our show and in my Back from the Brink podcast, um, I I wrote the little lead-in songs and 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 performed them on my keyboard and. And recorded them through MIDI recording, and uh, and uh, um, uh, I use Logic Pro, and uh, you know they are what they are. I'm not they're not, they're not works of art or anything, but they give us a little musical uh, intro. And for Back from the Brink, I did one for coming into the show, and one for playing out the show. For this one, we use the same same thing. The GenTech theme is what I call it, uh, played in and then played out. Um, I don't know. Have you ever sat and listened to the podcast and listened to the music that plays at the front end? I I have, but not enough that I really remember it. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of an orchestral side of, sort of sound for those who do it. You know, the the frustrating thing is about our setup here is like if I play it, you don't hear it, so you have to wait for me to tell you the music's over before we start talking. Um, right. But that's just you know part of the way that our setup is here. I don't know um, exactly why it doesn't play back. Cause I hear it very loudly in my ears when I'm playing it, but then I'm sitting at the main console here for our broadcast, but and, you know, and, that's an and, interesting and I, area. And I'm sitting only about 2000 miles away. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, as long, you know, I, I could shout, but I don't think you'd hear me. The, uh, I could turn it up. <laughs> I don't know if no, that would help. No, no, yeah. No. Blow my ears out. You know, there there are a lot of people who who make uh, a living doing that, though, writing little theme songs and jingles oh. and stuff. And then oh, a lot yeah. of them then expand out and do, um, you know, uh, the soundtracks for TV shows and movies and stuff. Um, yep. And uh, I have actually enjoyed it, you know, for the little bit that I've done. Um, again, you know, somebody might listen to it and say, oh, those aren't very good. But uh, 
but I enjoyed it and I dink around with it every once in a while. And so, uh, and this one, you know, I like it, but it kind of comes across as a little somber, our, our theme song, the Gentech theme song. So I might do a, a Gentech too. I've been playing around with that for a while, just, you know, during COVID well, things it, you do to keep your mind busy, right? Well, yeah, you know, there's a, there's a bit of technology involved in, uh, in jingles, uh, mm-hmm. there, there's a number of things you look for, you know, like you said, do I, did I recognize it? Well, I'm probably to blame for that because unless I go to listen to the recordings frequently, mm-hmm. then they, they, they don't stick in your head. But the yeah. purpose of jingles is to actually stick in your head. They, I yeah. mean, that's intentional, you know? Yeah. Well, and I kind of knew when I asked if you listened to it, I mean, I don't go back and listen to a lot of our podcasts a lot either, other than to just make some editorial, you know, fixes if there were some gaffes in there or something. Um, but, uh, you know, it's like I was there when we recorded. I know what we said. So there's no reason for me to go back right. and listen to it again. Um, you know, I do for quality sometimes. I will go in and listen to make sure that voice levels and everything are correct because um, I've had some issues with that in the past and I've worked them out. But there were some there were some it was a weird thing. It was a weird twist on this where like. If I started talking before somebody joined me on Skype, and I do that often with Erin, I'll start the show, and then she, she's wrapping up the radio station, and then she'll join me a couple minutes into the show. When I'm talking by myself, my voice levels were way low. And then as soon as she came online, everything was great. Uh, and it took me a while to figure out what was going on there, but I've solved yeah. that problem. But you know, I would have never known if I hadn't gone back and started listening to my podcasts after i had already posted them you know i'd go and listen to them i download them onto my phone and sometimes i'll listen to a little bit of it while i'm driving and again i was there so i don't really need to listen to it again but i just want to know what other people are hearing you know and make sure that the quality is there and then like i said i i try to make note um you know i keep a notepad open on my computer and at a certain time point if if there's an error or a gaffe or something that we or something that we don't, you know, or or if I want to, uh, you know, bleep over something if somebody accidentally says something that we don't, you know, if they didn't want to say, uh, I can either cut it out or bleep over it or something. And so I just make notes at certain times. And yep. uh, I haven't done it yet, but um, I have the capability of going in and putting chapter markers in everywhere where we have uh, a change of, of topic. And then titling those so people could then jump directly to the chapter marker if they wanted to when they're listening on their podcast player. And I also have the ability to change the um, the art on the feed because when you listen to a podcast, there's a, a piece of art that goes with it. And not all, but most pod, modern podcast players um, will watch throughout the playing of it if the art changes. So if we talk about something visual, I could put a picture of that, embed that into the uh, into the feed so that people could see that. And so I could, but I would have to know when we start talking about it in order to do that. And so, um, you know, I, I, I have not done that, that level of, of editing, but I've been planning to do it because I think it gives us an added level of professionalism, you know, and that's sort of inside baseball in terms of how we put this together. But, uh, you know, there are times when we talk about something that is visual, and podcasting by its very nature, you know, if we were to do, you know, YouTube videos, it'd be different. But but podcasting by its very nature is not visual. It's 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 a streaming audio source. But yeah. we can attach some video points. So like we're talking about a, a specific thing, I can put a picture of it up there so that anybody who's listening can at least, you know, see what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, the, the various media uh, have 
have strengths and weaknesses, if you want to call mm -hmm. it that. Maybe they're not weaknesses, but the but there's good and bad things about it all. If you if you have, it's generally conceded that if you have a group of people get come get together to participate in something, then you want a video. Now, very often though, often videos for groups turn out to be somebody standing at a podium and talking, and so yeah. they don't really do anything that adds to the video. Now, yeah, the way it's not very good video, visual. <laughs> right. The, the the good visuals are uh, with speakers that have a chalkboard or or uh, uh, yeah, electronic slipboard so everybody power, can at least see yeah, that. Yeah, a PowerPoint equivalent of a chalkboard keynote or something for us. Yeah, Mac keynote. People. So anyway, uh, then then you get something out of the video. Now I I have been members of uh, groups. Uh, that do the uh, stuff like that, and basically, I record the audio only, and, and just yeah. you know, don't yeah. I don't want to see the person that doesn't add anything to it. Yeah, uh, too often you're in a Zoom meeting and it's like watching a bunch of mug shots. I mean, it's just somebody sitting there staring at their screen, and usually they're not even looking at the camera because a it's not natural. You have to be trained to learn how to look at a camera, you know, like a TV per person does. Um, but then. You know they're staring at, at a bunch of other people's mugshots, and so you just get these usually very poorly lit faces staring at mugshots. Uh, yeah, right. It can be pretty bad. Well, and it's like we're on a media of Skype, which is visual, but uh, you and I don't care about seeing each other yeah. sitting here talking to, to it. You know. Yeah. Uh, well, and in fact, we usually shut the video off so we don't see each other because that eats up bandwidth, and we we're right. more concerned about getting good quality sound and maximizing the bandwidth that way than we are, you know, seeing facial expressions. Yep. That said, there are certainly times when you're talking with somebody that being able to see their face is important because yeah. seeing their face tells you a lot about what they're saying. People can say one thing, kind of mean another, and you can't pick up on those kind of cues very often from just intonation. You really need to see faces and facial expressions and sometimes That's... even body language. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, you, you, you do get more complete communication when you see facial expressions. There's no question. Yeah. I because, would not want to um, negotiate nuclear arms treaties over the phone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's in fact a, a lot of what's wrong with our press today is they may see something uh, live, uh, but, but uh, when they put it into print, you've lost a lot of the context of what's, what's being said. E even if you can go back later and 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 listen to the audio audible uh, uh -huh. the, and and the other real problem with news media is they they always deal with clips just what they want you to hear and so you miss yeah. the context of what happened before and what happened after so you have yeah. to take everything with a grain of salt and that's been particularly and and I'm probably show my partisanship here but Trump brought on this era in spades because uh the we we've got so much hate and anger and stuff in the political realm these days that that, that that's the uh, that's the mm -hmm. occurrence that you have to assume anytime you listen yeah. to somebody talking about the president because yeah. they're going to tell you what they want you to hear you yeah know? well you know i mean i don't know that that i mean trump's style being a new yorker is very confrontational and so he yeah. brought that to the forefront. I don't think it's anything that hasn't existed prior to Trump. I think it existed prior to Trump. I think that 
that the media that didn't like Obama clearly didn't like Obama. The media that did like him clearly did. And I think that, you know, just as consumers of information these days, we all have to be very aware of the biases of those people presenting the information. And I don't think that in the era of Walter Cronkite, Walter Cronkite, I can say his name, um, that that was <laughs> as prevalent. Now, there was he certainly and, and, and you know, in the David Brinkley's of the world, they had biases, too. But of course, they did. I think they worked very hard to not make that part of their reporting. And I don't think anybody works hard to make that not part of their reporting anymore. In, in fact, it's the opposite. They work yeah. very hard to follow the, the lead of whoever's running their network. Right. Because power has now become concentrated in a few people because they have so many psychopaths who just repeat what they say. Yeah. Well, you know, it's and, and and what they found is, is that that's they market to a specific audience. And if you happen to be on a network that markets to a liberal audience, then you better come in and say things that that audience wants to hear unless you're going to play the heel, you know. And yeah. and I, I use that very term because that's what they use in wrestling. Right. They've got the heroes and they've got the heels and they're just sure. playing roles. And quite honestly, that's what our news people are doing now, too. They're just playing roles. And you either play the hero by talking about what your network likes or you play the heel by talking about what your network doesn't like. And then everybody gets mad at you and says, oh, no, 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 you've you got this all wrong. And uh, and, and there's just it, it's like it's like this giant, um, uh, you know, uh, stage presentation or play um, that that we used to take as a means of information. And now it's entertainment. Yeah. In fact, the topic that you and I sort of agreed that we're going to spend the rest of our show on today uh, this leads into that quite well. And the reason that mm -hmm. I sent you, uh, I sent uh, Todd an article uh, put out by uh, The Atlantic. Uh, yeah. Now, I don't Steve agree. Steve Randy with... Waldman was the author. Yes. And, and I, I'll, I'll admit my bias up front. I, I don't believe and don't often read The Atlantic because I find I disagree with them so much that uh -huh. it's just annoying. However, I was uh, taken aback when I read this article, and even right up front, he, the author, in my opinion, did um, uh, everyone a service in terms of cl more clarifying the issue. Because yeah. if you start well, down a path without having some some language to talk about it, and uh, and some characteristics that yeah. need need to be understood, then you'd never get anywhere. So. Right. And, and it's not a straightforward thing. And let me just kind of lay the groundwork a little bit so people know what we're talking about. What we're talking about is the 1996 law that uh, the, the, the portion of 1996 law that still uh, exists. Uh, and it's called it's referred to as Section 230. And it was part of the Digital Rights Act. And a large portion of that was overturned by the Supreme Court. But the portion that remains is this Section 230. And it essentially says that companies like Facebook and Twitter can pass along almost anything online with almost no legal accountability. Um, the idea being that, uh, you know, if you're a publisher, like a newspaper, that you edit information before it's published. And therefore, you're responsible for that information because you went through and edited it. And Twitter and Facebook have been deemed, and all online um, uh, sources, have been deemed to be... Um, 
not a publisher, but just a platform that people can post things onto. And that even though they are allowed to, and in fact required by Section 230, to to uphold um, uh, the standards of the community, community standards, which is a very vague term, but they're, so that they could go in and, say, block out pornographic images, you know, uh, they could, and they, you know, they, and they go and they block things. Like if there's child pornography, they block it and they report it to the police and they do those kinds of things very responsibly. Um, but that they also are, you know, allowed to edit other things and nobody can sue them for blocking them. And this is something that's become a real touch point in, in political centers because, uh, president Trump has said, you know, they're going in and saying, you know, tagging things that I say, as untrue and illegal very uh famously just before the election the new york post uh ran a story on information that they had gathered about hunter biden and they not only twitter not only blocked um the post's twitter account but they also blocked anybody making any comments or references to that article so if you went on your twitter account and made a reference or a link to that article saying hey you know, this needs to be looked at, or did you see this news or whatever, um, then you got your uh, feed blocked. And ironically, after the election, the things that were in that article were found to be accurate and that, that, that there were some issues there and they're now being investigated. And, um, uh, how, how, and so the however, question is, is however, they had, they had significant, significant and major impacts on the election. And we well, all exactly. That's that. why I said they before the election they blocked it. That's, they blocked that's, the that's, that's the ability the to even talk about it. That's the reason it came to attention. And one of the things that uh, comes up in this article is commu- is communities and what happens in small communities as well as large communities. Mm-hmm. And the, basically, what it amounts to is the larger the community, that means the more people participating, and presumably have different uh, interests or takes on things, it tends to homogenize the community. However, what we have in the case of politics, at least, are two major parties or communities, if you will, that are absolutely at each other's throats. And therefore, the uh, you have one system trying to deal with multiple communities, but in this case, two communities that are coming at each other right and well and and if you have a company like youtube that is deciding what is and isn't going to be allowed to be published as fact or 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 deciding for themselves what is and isn't fact and they're not a news agency so they didn't do the investigative reporting then but they're but they can't be held liable for that because of section 230 now i i just want to preface before we go any further on this for the last two plus years, I have been railing on on my radio show and and back from the brink podcast about this very topic. Section two thirty is bad law, in my opinion. It needs to be uh, removed and revised. I think that we need to have some some laws that talk about what you can and can't do and how you can and can't run an online business. But this was written in nineteen ninety six. The internet today is not the internet of nineteen ninety six, and so we really need to rethink how we're going to manage that and in and and section 230 is giving protection to really bad behavior by companies like facebook and twitter and they're not the only two they're just the two big ones 
Um, and I, I applaud uh, Steve Randy Waldman for writing this, and I'm glad that they were able to get it into a, a major publication like The Atlantic to talk about this because it needs to be talked about and people need to understand what it means and what it means to, to you because whether or not you care about whether there was an investigation uh, into Hunter Biden is irrelevant. There are things that you care about and there are things and topics that you, are, you find important. And the idea that there's a company out there that can say, you're not allowed to talk about that and we will block you and anybody who talks about that uh, should be really, really scary, especially when they're protected by a law that says you can't even go after them if they do that. And that's what where we're at right now. That's that's real, real good. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Anyway, uh, the uh, uh, this article, uh, as I said, I think does a commendable job in terms of clarifying that issue. Uh, and uh, and and with your help, Todd, you, you did it well by translating it to the to our audience. Uh, now, uh, they do have a number of observations about the past that are apropos to where we are today. Uh, we've always had agencies reporting, but since 19, what did you say, 98? We haven't had... 1996 this. is when this law was, was put into place. And it was yeah, part that, of the Communications Decency Act. And much of the Communications Decency Act, when it passed... The Supreme Court looked at it and said, no, this is not constitutional. You can't do this and this. But they have the ability to sort of go in where the president can't do line item vetoes. The court can go in and say, this portion is not constitutional, but this portion is fine. And this portion is not constitutional, and this portion is fine. And they did that with Section 230. It's uh, Section 230 is part of the Communications Decency Act, and it's Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. Most people just refer to it as Section 230, though. Yeah. So, you know, and I got to say, um, you know, I'm very, a little frustrated because I uh, am th there's a, a group out there called the uh, Electronic Frontier Foundation, the EFF, and they do a lot of work um, trying to educate the, the populace and politicians about what happens in the world of politics and how I mean, in, in the world of technology and how that affects people. And and for the most part, I really appreciate what they do. I agree with a lot of what they do. They are at least uh, in in this instance, they have absolutely gotten this wrong. Um, they describe Section 230 as one of the most valuable tools for protecting the freedom of expression and innovation on the Internet. That's an end quote. And um, I believe they've just gotten that completely wrong. I think it is one of those laws that has created a situation on the internet where um you know people can can block um uh they can block free speech without any consequences and not only can they they clearly have and they continue to do that and again you you may not care if they block topic a Whatever it is, Hunter Biden is the one we used as our example, the story about Hunter Biden. But there's things you do care about. And you may not even know that the things that you do care about are being blocked from being talked about unless they go in and block it on your particular account. or Because you won't hear about it. You won't see it. Nobody's talking about it on the Internet because, hey, it's getting blocked and you didn't know that. And nobody can take – there's no recourse you can take against Facebook or Twitter or YouTube or, you know, whomever 
Um, and they're clearly editing things. I mean, this is, you know, they've gone way beyond just community standards. They are now blocking news and blocking information and blocking topics of conversation that they find unappealing. And they're doing it unabashedly and they're protected legally to do that. And it's just unconscionable. It's just few things that I think are affecting our society as much as this, this particular law, it really gets under my skin. Well, well, the the one thing that has to be pointed out and that is, is that uh, the Facebook and Twitter just because they're on the internet doesn't mean they stand alone. In fact, you could find have found out about the uh, Biden uh, uh, faux pas thing just before yeah by just the media. subscribing to but, the oh, the post. But 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 it was limited to uh, one newspaper in the country, which was ignored by the rest of the press, uh, and uh, Fox except for the Fox News Channel, and. Thereby, uh, by the way, I got to point out they're both owned by the same person, the Post and the Fox News Channel, both owned by the same guy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, not surprising that they would both have similar takes. Now, now the issue that they're talking about in this article that can affect Facebook and uh, uh, Twitter and things like that doesn't address yet another problem, and that is is that we have news media, lots of channels out there that refused to report anything that they didn't, they just called it, if they say it's not news, then it's not news. Right. Okay. And, and therefore, uh, they're, not, they're not suffering any consequences of that either. But, right. But for those who, who feel harmed by what they did, then they're saying shut them down. You know? Okay, I so, think the so very the difference problem. here, the difference here yeah. though is is if you are a news agency and you choose not to report something, I don't have to pay attention to that news agency. If you're a platform or a publication that I put something into myself and then you block it, you've now actively taken action against me, and there is a very big difference, I think. Well, the the other major thing that I was leading up to, if you let me. Completed, and that is is that basically Facebook is a monopoly, and that's an important thing, uh, because they uh, they they've basically bought up all of their competitors. Mm-hmm. And yeah, anytime somebody assum- starts to the, gather the, gather steam, the assumption, they buy them. The assumption was back when this law was passed was that in fact you couldn't have a monopoly on the internet because somebody else is always going to create another thing to to uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know to compete with you and, yeah and there wouldn't fact, be there a Facebook a there would be 20 Facebooks and people different people would go to different ones right that was the thought right now there is yeah. a sort of a competitor out there to Twitter now uh, and the name slips my mind right now but but anyway uh, the chances of them you know getting to the point of a Twitter or a Facebook are pretty slim to none right now although yeah. uh, it's possible because yeah. I think that be- because of things like the election I know whole lots of people who are ready to sign off and, and say goodbye to their Facebook account regardless and in fact mm-hmm. the reason that most people don't want to leave Facebook has nothing to do with the quality or what Facebook is doing. It has everything to do with the fact that they have a network of family and friends out there that they want to communicate with. Right. And that's a and they're all on thing. Facebook. 
and yeah, that was the that was the place that they started and gathered, and they've got an investment in terms of uh, establishing yeah. this group, these their own family groups and sure. friends, uh, and they don't want to just throw that away. So there's a, right. a a lot of stickiness there. So all of these yeah. factors come into play when you consider uh, what you have to or what you can do about this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and, you know, and we, we've talked about Facebook and Twitter, but there's also Google and YouTube, and there exists alternatives for all of those. The thing is, is as you said, all of your family and friends, I mean, it doesn't do you any good to be on a social network when, when nobody you care about to, to, to be social with is on that network, right? And so, yeah. uh, you know, you don't want to switch to some other network when you can't get a hold of your grandchildren. You can't see pictures of your grandchildren anywhere else but Facebook. Um you know, that said, yeah. it is possible to live a life without Facebook. I have not been on Facebook in years. I c- canceled my Facebook account. I don't like the company. I don't like the way they behave. So I do not interact. I choose not to use Facebook. That doesn't mean that I don't use Facebook products, though, because I do have an Instagram account and I have pictures that are posted there. And they're owned wholly by Facebook because Facebook said, hey, here's a social network that's different than ours that a lot of people are signing up with. Maybe we should make sure they don't they don't steal all of our clients, and so they bought them, and and that goes to the point that that you had uh, brought up is that they buy up the all you know the alternatives um, because there are alternatives for all of those things you know um, you see, they're all alter- you, alternative search engines to Google they're just not very good. You, you see, I thought that the proper action to deal with this just because of that one of the options would be to go back and say no you guys can't buy any more anyone else in the, in the whole genre of social media anywhere and in fact you have to let go of something that you may have bought recently you know get rid of that so yeah. that they uh, are no longer a monopoly they have to be split yeah. somehow by removing capabilities that they have already purchased mm-hmm. uh, from their uh, from each other you know, integrating. Yeah. Well, during during the uh, the the Democratic um, uh, preliminaries uh, primaries, uh, there were a couple of, of their people who were saying, you know, we need to break up Facebook. They're they're they've they've bought up companies and they have too much power and they are a monopoly. Um, you know, they're a functioning monopoly. Um, you know, I mean, there like you said, there are a few, and I know particularly some some conservative folks have been. Um, uh, pushing, going to, uh, what's the name of that other, um, starts with a P. Um, there's another, um, yeah, uh, uh, I can't think of the name of it, but here it is. I, I've got it. It's, uh, oh. parlor parlor. That's parlor. There's, there's people saying, Hey, go to parlor. It's, it's a less, uh, invasive social network and, and, you know, it's out there. But and you know, gr- are you going to convince everybody in your family to go to switch to Parlor? I don't know that you are. Well, and it's growing and fairly rapidly for a couple mm-hmm. of reasons. There are already now at least two conservative networks that have uh, have gone to Parlor and uh, are, they're trying to be, hit it big over there, and they're yeah. and they're pulling a lot of people with them. Yeah, but know? here's the issue: Do you want to have a social network for liberals and a social network for for conservatives and the two never talk to each other. I don't think that's healthy either. No, no. You know, that's, that's, and that's the problem. And getting yeah. back to this business of, uh, of communities, you know, yeah. we, we, it, 
there's a need for a large community, and maybe the thing is is that no politics go can, are allowed because they're so divisive, should yeah. ever be allowed on Facebook. Nothing. You don't. Yeah. You don't talk about politics. Yeah. I mean, it's either yeah, I don't know. it's either all or nothing there, because otherwise you'll be split. You see, communities that have divisiveness, uh, just uh, especially if they have the ability to to uh, cancel your your side of the issue and not pay a price. I mean, that's, right. that's the problem. Yeah. When they are making editorial decisions, then they have overstepped the bounds of their authority. And 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 when you are you, you know, at some point you have to be treated, you know, like in different cities, you have utilities, you have things that you like that you you can do um, uh, services that you can pay for. Like not everybody has water, bottled water delivered to their house, but everybody has water flowing to their house. That's a utility. And uh, and they're treated differently. And Facebook and Twitter are essentially social utilities at this point. And they need to the way we treat them and the laws that we have around them and how they're that, that, that manage their behavior need to be modified. Section 230 is no longer capable of doing that. And so, you know, our government needs to first of all, we need to spend a lot of time educating people in Congress and people in, uh, you know, the, the both the House and the Senate to to understand how they work and what they mean. You know, we've got some 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 a lot of lawyers and and a lot of elderly lawyers that that really don't understand. You know, it's a website I go to and I type stuff in. And they don't really understand all of the social implications and stuff. So we need to spend a lot of time uh, educating, um, you know, some specific uh, panels within in that group in order to draft some laws that 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 manage these companies in terms of how they interact with the world around them and and set some consequences for for poor behavior and and it needs to, you know whether you think that they're supporting liberal causes or conservative causes or blocking this or that at some point they're going to block something you care about and so you need to understand that this is for the benefit of all and you you know and and that they need to be managed through some some better written laws than section 230 currently does um, i'm not usually a person who loves a lot of regulation um, in fact, I would prefer to see less laws in most areas, but, but when there are, uh, companies and categories of companies that are running amok and having huge social and political impacts, uh, we, it's incumbent on us to, to, to throttle them in some ways by putting some laws on them and saying, here's how you're allowed to behave because yeah, look, without it, they're driving public opinion in ways that we have no control over. Yeah, let let me go back a little bit of history on this. Back when the internet began, and 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 I go back further than that, but uh, there was a lot of discussion about uh, just how uh, uh, and what regulations might eventually come to the internet, and these were in the technical arena by mostly technicians, and the generally general trend then. And I was one of those techies, <clears throat> and I was on this, I was on that side. I said, geez, don't ever let the politicians get involved in this. They'll muck it up. I think mm -hmm. I was right. <laughs> I think I was yeah. right. Well, but uh, I think that, you know, th that's also kind of, I mean, it's, it's a wishful thinking, but it's it, in a sense it's a little naive because clearly the politicians are the ones who write the laws. They're definitely going to get involved in it. Problem is, right. is that, that um, you know, how laws. To, how to do it smartly. Yep. Yeah, laws, laws. Laws like um, like death rates for COVID are are trailing indicators, right? 
they after after bad behavior has has preceded them for a period of time, then somebody will propose some laws to to prevent that kind of bad behavior again. And and that's where we're at now is that the law that we wrote in, in 1996, you know, 30 plus years ago, um, is uh, no longer sufficient. I guess it's not 30 years, it's 25 years ago, uh, uh, is no longer sufficient to manage the world that we currently see in front of us. And so now we need to start thinking about, um, you know, what's the right way to do that. And, you know, I mean, we've talked about this a lot, but maybe we should be talking a little bit about, well, well, what kind of constraints? Like, you know, I don't know that they necessarily need to be broken up. I, you know, I don't, I don't believe in punishing a business because they're successful. You know, I don't break up. Well, you that, know, I thought that, that's not, pe- well, wait a minute. They're not, that's not the reason for punishing them. That, oh, I understand the that. Punishing them is because they're creating a very bad uh, situation in our entire country. They are. Yeah, well, I, 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 I get that. I get that. But what I'm saying is like, you know, when, when there was talk about breaking up Microsoft years ago, um, in a, in a sense, it was like, well, you've gotten too big and you're too, you're too powerful. I don't well, believe breaking somebody right. up is, is the right way to handle that personally. I think well, that what you need to do is you need to say, well, we, we need to limit how you are allowed to behave because you have too much power right now. Right. It has to do with the behavior, uh, and, and whether it's being abused and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, <coughs> excuse me, I can't talk. Yeah. Well, here's a scary thought while you're coughing. Um, we pass a law, say we pass a law that, that fixes the problem here in the United States. Facebook has people all over the world who use their product. So what if they start blocking anything that is positive about the United States and only lets negative things about the United States be be talked about on their platform in other places because they don't like the way the U.S. has blocked some of their information. They basically foment hate and dis- distrust of the United States because we put limits on the way they're allowed to behave when they're here because they could certainly do that. I guess mm-hmm. at that point we say you're now behaving as an enemy of the state and we then we, we, we treat you as such, you know, the people in, in power. Yeah, and shut them down I, here. Yeah. Yeah, well, or take the people who who run the company, Mark Zuckerberg and those others, if they behave that way, say you're an enemy of the state, we're going to, you know, put you in jail because that's the way you behave. You know? Although I say that, I don't know if you happen to see the news today. Are you familiar with who Jack Ma is? No. Okay, he's a Chinese billionaire um, who uh, uh, founded um, uh, their uh, uh, Alibaba, which is the number one um, uh, sale. It's like the Amazon in China, and it's actually it's like- bigger than, than Amazon. It's a sales place, but they also have invested in all kinds of things. He's got his finger in all kinds of businesses all over the world. Jack Ma has been missing for two months. Um, there mm-hmm. were some allegations that he had done some anti-governmental things that the Chinese did, the government didn't like. And so we don't know where Jack Ma is. He's not been in the public. He might be laying low because he's afraid of somebody coming down on him, or maybe somebody came down on him and he's now, you know, sitting in a cell somewhere. We don't know, you know? Uh, so I, I talk about, you know, anti-government behavior sounds an awful lot like the, uh, uh you know, uh, red scares of the fifties, right? So got to be very right. careful when you, when you start talking like that. Yep. 
Yep. Well, we've seen evidence in the news about uh, be, that behavior of foreign governments that seems just absolutely atrocious to us. You know, a guy mm -hmm. suddenly disappears. I mean, and we know they they was killed in Saudi Arabia. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's just, yeah. There's uh, places where in the world, if you live there, that uh, you cannot talk about things in certain ways, or they will disappear you. Um, ironically, you know, that's, we're concerned about, Hey, if you talk about things in certain ways, then Facebook will disappear your, your, your voice on Facebook. Um, but they're not coming to your front door and disappearing <laughs> you personally. So, yeah. um, yeah, there's degrees, right? Lots of but, degrees. But, 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 but unfortunately we do live in a time when, uh, there are lots of individuals who get so excited about politics and things that politicians say that they have come to people's front doors or, or published their addresses online and have created all kinds of problems that basically stole that person's freedom. And in many cases, it was a mistake and it wasn't that person at all. I mean, yeah. there are some major complaints out there that occasionally make the news about awful things that happen, you know, like police going to the wrong address. I mean, you know, that happens way too often. And you say, how can that be? But it happens when you've got lots of people involved. And, and you know, as all it takes is a little typo, in fact, on an address, change a number a little bit, and you, you're at the wrong place. And so as we're, we're in a, a dangerous spot when we have highly inflammatory things in the media, and that's all media, you know. They need to be uh, toned down in some way. It should be part of the objective is to keep. But nevertheless, see, the media gets eyeballs by jacking emotions up, and everybody mm -hmm. knows that, you know. They want your attention. These are called attention getters. Very oh, yeah. often attention getters are, have a little bit of truth, enough that gets you to believe it, but they're not really, you know. Yeah. There's a big game played here. You know? Yeah. Well, in, but, in, in newspapers, they always used to, that was the headline writer's job, right? Write something right. that would get people's eyes to start reading the story. And so sometimes the headline implied things that weren't actually in the story, but it got you to read the story. And that was your job as a headline writer. Um, yep. And, and, and now everything's headlines. Everything's a headline writer. Everything is, is fantasticized <laughs> to get your attention. I, I think it's funny sometimes. It's so it's so ridiculous. You you know you can go on to a just about any political channel, and I don't care which side of the issue it is, is they'll start with uh, headline news breakers uh, or breaking news or something like that. You know that's big and bold mm -hmm. and and uh, and it's just it's big attention getter to grab you yeah. and say stay with me. I, you know I, and then mm -hmm. they drag out telling you what it's all about so you stay listen longer you know in the case of television yeah uh, yeah so. it's like coming up soon we're going to talk about whatever insert thing that might be interesting to you here right and and then That's you watch right. and you watch and after and, the break and, and we're they, going to <laughs> and they never and they never leave your you know the uh, leave you hanging when they want to shut out uh for commercials take a commercial break without giving you a reason to come back Right. Don't you change know? that channel. When you come Don't back, they always, they always lead into something you know, like the sports shows, right? After the break, we'll be talking with <laughs> yeah. you know, Aaron Rodgers talks about his, his secret to success. You know, like, huh? <laughs> well, I throw the football to the guy who catches it. That's the secret. Um, yeah. 
you know uh yeah yeah it's it's it is it is it would be completely laughable if it wasn't so so sad and frustrating you know um to deal with with media these days um so i i think that you know we're all better off if we just uh assume uh that everything we're, we're seeing is mostly entertainment and if you want to suss out some reality then uh you know you have to see it in three different places from three different sources, not the same story reprinted on three different websites. And, yeah. uh, and then maybe, but, and what's the common thing amongst the three stories? And that part might be true. <laughs> you know, well, let, 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 let me, let me propose a few uh, uh, other issues that have come up just as a result of the media, uh, intentional media do it that causes these things to happen. <laughs> and that is that we've actually now through this virus pandemic of all times to do this we've perverted the operation of medical uh, professionals and by that I mean that because there was a lot of hatred of Trump anything he said early on about any medicine it got thrown in the trash can I mean and and in fact uh, I, I still fail to, to quite understand I think Dr. Fauci's is worthless. Uh, now I know a lot of people think that's extreme, but let me tell you what he did. There was a thing that the president uh, had mentioned, uh, and I wish I could na- remember the whole name of it. But was uh, uh, it was a treatment that was u- very turned out to be very good if you'd used it very early when you first uh, thought you had the symptoms, uh, and uh, uh, hide. Hydroxychloroquine? That's the one. Hydroxychloroquine. Thank you. It was difficult to think of how to say that. That that treatment turns out to have been used uh, from that time on in Europe and had saved thousands of people because it basically uh, was a therapeutic. It's not a vaccine. We have lots of therapeutics now, too, and better ones than that. There's no doubt about it. But early on, this was something that was inexpensive, had been used for other types of illnesses, and so have the, the ones that they've found uh, that are, are even better today. The, the medical profession goes back and finds things that help with any kind of, of uh, breathing issue or chest disorder and said, well, if it worked for that, it might work here. Let's try it. So they run their own little trials. And then they communicate among themselves, but primarily through professional journals. Well, the media got involved and basically downplayed that so much that it was almost like uh, they were going to attack you as a doctor for saying anything positive about it. And they did that. They they scared the hell out of a number of doctors. Now, that's interference by a bunch of amateurs in something they don't understand at all. Yeah, if you look at the, I mean, if you go look at information that's out there um, from uh, places uh, like, from, let me finish, like, let me finish, let me finish. Go ahead. Okay, if you look at things from uh, places like Yale Medical School, um, the uh, the CDC, um, the FDA, and the um, uh, Johns Hopkins. Uh, looking at actual studies that have been done, they're finding that the use of hydroxychloroquine in in certain ways may have some effect that helps, and that and and that it was used uh, as a primary means of 
uh, battling early onset cases in France, and they saw lots of success. But the issue was that it, it was something that you could not just get a shot and be used. They were using low doses, and they were doctor-supervised because although hydroxychloroquine has been around for quite a long time uh, being used to treat other things, there are some very known side effects that cause heart problems, and if used incorrectly or, or used without uh, being supervised by, by even medical professionals who aren't used to using that particular medication, then uh, people are like 80% more likely to have heart attacks. And there are and, and so the concern was, at least early on as they were starting to use this, is that even medical professionals wouldn't know how to use this drug and use it safely. And so that's why there was a lot of of concerns. Now, I will absolutely agree with you that the um, the news people jumped all over this and and took things that Dr. Fauci said out of context because he never said don't use it. He said use it carefully. Uh, and, and be aware of the side effects, because even if you are a medical f- professional, you're not used to using this particular drug because it's not something that's wide, wide, you know, widely used unless you have specialties in specific areas. And so, um, you know, I I think that the again, I, I'm not going to attack Fauci because I think he's been misrepresented, misrepresented as much as the president has been re- misrepresented. Uh, if you if you actually listen to him speak. And then because I've listened to him talk, I've listened to him talk on like a morning talk show on Sundays and then read articles on Monday where they said things that, uh, you know, they tried to paraphrase what he said and they changed the meaning of what he said. And it's like, well, wait a minute, that's not paraphrasing. That's just writing what you want and, and attributing him. Um, that's, and that, that happens. That happens. Yeah. No and, you know, so, you know, I, I think that that that, you know, I, I don't disagree with you. I think the news, uh, the news has been incredibly irresponsible. Um, in that area. I do want to try to get us to talk a little bit more back about tech, though, because we're talking an awful lot about uh, politics oh. and, and the medical field and and the horrors of news reporting. And I want to go back to um, Section 230 and 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 say, well, you know, uh, I had said previously that I thought that, you know, breaking companies up isn't the right approach. But you know, we, we also have got to say we've got in my mind, I think that what we need to do is figure out how to in 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 legal terms, draw a line between you are a platform where people post things on there and you do nothing. You're not allowed to touch it versus you're a a a publisher, meaning that people post things on there and and you make editorial decisions about what will and won't be shown. And if you are a publisher you should have to follow different rules than if you were a platform. Section 230 works fine if you're a platform. You know, uh, at least the the ability to to say, hey, you can't be held liable for what's on there because you're not doing anything. You're not the one posting it. Somebody else is. You're just providing a platform. And they shouldn't well, come after you just because you, you have deep pockets. You need an um, adjective in front of platform, Todd, because uh, email is a platform. The difference is the size of the audience. Broadcast. The it's a broadcast platform. No, my definition for platform, and again, this is, and, and you're absolutely right, this is where everything boils down. So we really need to define these terms so that people understand. For me, the, differing, the difference between a publisher and a platform is, and these are both broadcast, meaning that there's, they're going to, any, anybody can log in and look at it, right? It's not, it's not a uh, person-to-person addressed thing like an email uh, uh, is, or it's, it's, it's not a, um, 
uh, like a text, you know, I mean, I can send a text blast out to a bunch of people, but I still have to individually say who it's going to. This is a, a, a like a like a newspaper. Anybody can buy one. Anybody can see it. Anybody can go to it. Um, and a platform, in my mind, means that you put something there and whoever puts it there is responsible for what they put there. Nothing and no, nothing will be done or can be done by the people who run the platform to change that in any way. It's yours. You have to take ownership because you put it there. Um, and a a publisher says you can put whatever you want here, but we're going to look at it. We might edit it. We might block it. We might change it in some way if we find something not appealing to our audience. And if you're one, you get a certain set of rules. And if you're the other, you get a different set of rules. Yeah, but but in no case do you ever totally escape responsibility for things that happen. Well, if you're a platform, now let me just play devil's advocate. Say I run a platform where you it's, it's a public forum. You could post whatever you want here. I don't edit it. I don't do anything. I just provide the platform. But that you say that's something you say something that's offensive to some. Well, let me finish it. Let me finish the thought. You say something. You post something on my platform that 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 people find offensive. Okay. Now my policy is I'm a platform. I don't change it. I don't do anything. I should not be the one who gets sued for allowing you to publish that there. You should be the one that gets sued. And if there's going to be editing done on that platform, then it has to be done by legal sources. You know, I need a judge to tell me I can take it down, or or the police to say that's that's you know inappropriate, or whoever the authority is for the area or for that audience, whether it be the federal government or local government or whatever. To me, that's the difference. And that a platform, if you want any protections, then you're not allowed to touch anything that goes on there. That's just, you know, you're just providing the underpinnings. But that's not a workable platform because uh, left to their own devices, you will have so many. I mean, they want billions of people signing up on this thing. And there will be so many lawsuits that there aren't a court system in, in the world that could ever handle all the cases that would come up if, if you got to go to the person who, who sent it to you. And further, it only works on a system where positive identification of every sender, any, every one with an input, is, pers- is biologically identified, not by a, an identifier, not by a name or a, even a picture. It's got to be right. some bio characteristic, so I can. Oh, sure. They, yeah, there's lots of people who have accounts, multiple accounts on Facebook and Twitter, and they use other people's pictures and, and names, so, and, and they can pretend so, to be whoever they want to be. So, so that is a theoretical system when you start talking about things, some of these things, because there's all kinds of mm-hmm. constraints that are necessary to yeah. go with uh, a, a system that. Uh, <clears throat> well, you're presuming that you want billions of people to be there. Um, oh, the, but, the but I, you know, does. if I, if I launch, well, no, if I make a platform, I may not want it to be. Maybe I just want my platform to be for the people that, uh, that like bow hunting in Corona. And we talk about the places where you can go shoot, uh, target practice and, and, uh, you know, and that's, that's all we care about. Well, they do have the ability to set up separate little, uh, groups on Facebook and, and maybe that's what it'll ultimately come to is that if you want to talk about anything more than birthdays and holidays and whatever, you got to go put it off in a separate group, create your own group, you know, break it up into thousands of separate. Yeah. I mean, standard. 
Yeah, that's what a lot of people do. But I think that, you know, if you if you were to have that platform, as I described it, and somebody posts something, I mean, you can trace it back to who they came from. There's no real anonymity. You know, if they want to put the effort in, they can find you. Um, and, and you're held to the community standards of your community. So if I happen to be sitting here in Corona, California, and I post something here that, that would be deemed illegal, that, that, that somebody could, you know, contact the local police and they would come knocking on my door going, hey, that, that's inappropriate. You need to talk, take it down, you know. If I'm, I'm putting up, you know, naked pictures uh, and posting them publicly, if I were to walk down the street and start stapling to the, to the street lights, you know, to the post or the, the electrical poles or whatever, um, I would... I would be, you know, uh, dealt with appropriately, right? So why, yeah. if I put it online, wouldn't I be dealt with the same way? Yeah, well, basically, uh, what you said there brings to mind my uh, uh, solution to leave the system open, and that is is that instead of calling it Facebook, you call it the opinion. So everything, by definition, on this whole system is opinion. There are no facts at all. Well, but I mean, changing the name doesn't change anything. Well, I can, well, I can no. call it, you know, silly no, McSilly but, face, but, and it's still Facebook. But, 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 you, but you don't go through this charade of fact-checking, which nobody believes in anymore anyway, because it's been abused so much, it's ridiculous. Okay, so changing but the are, name has no. nothing to do with it. You're just going to turn them back into a platform, as I described, where no. they don't so, do any so there, are, so there, So there are no facts, and therefore, you know, everybody understands that, right? Uh-huh. That's the given. That's that's, that's okay. what the rules of the game that you set up, right? Okay, so that means that they're just a platform, as I described it. They don't do anything. They just allow you to that's post right. what you want. These are opinion pages. Right. That's that's right. That's that's one way to do it. You know. Yeah. Yeah, but you seem to be hesitant when I described a platform, saying it's unworkable, and now you're basically saying turn Facebook into a platform, as I described it. Well, well, Todd, I can take any side I want at any time. I I can switch sides. You know, and well, I, I understand, that. but what I, I and, and as do I, I like to play devil's advocate, and that makes for better conversations. But I, I guess I'm a little puzzled at that. You know, you know, I basically designated two categories for online places where people can join in and, and voice opinions. One I called a platform, and one I called a publisher. And you're saying okay. the solution to Facebook is to tell it it has to become a publisher if it truly wants to be uh, protected from attacks than just admit that, or from legal actions and stuff, then do away with Section 230 and quit making any edits to the page. That's one solution. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right, then I think we're in agreement. Because <laughs> that's, that's what I said. I said there's two different, you know, ideally there's two different categories of, of, of social gatherings online, and you either have one where no editorial action is taken by the owner of the platform, or one where the platform says we're going to take editorial action and you just have different rules for dealing with each of them yeah but but i think even in in those cases where you want to have the most open platform you can there's always going to be this business of of uh, responsibility uh, regarding uh keeping pornography off of there uh, uh helping if there's any threat to life uh, uh-huh. or any kind of a criminal activity yeah. you know you, you got to be a partner in uh, mm-hmm. you know with with the police in that you know yeah so so that basically, well, basically i think the, i think this is something that eventually we will have some technological solutions for and that is as we pointed out there's an issue 
that seems to really foment bad behavior, and that is the ability to create false or shadow profiles. You know, I can be, right. you know, uh, Sue Schmeckler from, from, you know, Boise if I want to be online. Um, mm-hmm. And I can have accounts that say I'm Sue Schmeckler, and I can go find pictures to pretend like I'm Sue Schmeckler. And I'm not Sue Schmeckler, you know, I'm, I'm me. Um, but I can have as many different accounts like that as I want. And I can, and that, that, that shadow account that I create can be an obnoxious, horrible, evil person. And they can say all the horrible things they want online. Um, and people behave that way, that, that exists. And I think that as technology progresses, uh, in order to provide security and, and, and maybe we'll lose some of that anonymity online in order to make this happen, that places like Facebook will continue to exist, but then alternatives will come up where you, where everybody's verified, whether it be because all of, all of our computers now have fingerprint sensors on them or, or, and so you'll have to log in via some sort of uh, biometric verification so that, you know, I can go to a site that has adult content on it, whether it be pictures or conversations that are not appropriate for children, because I'm verified as being an adult. Whereas, you know, my 10 year old can't do that. Or, um, you know, I choose not to go to the public forums. I go to the only the verified websites because there people are held accountable for what they say and do. And so, um, you know, there'll be people who say, I like being in the mess of pretending like there are lots of different people and shouting and screaming at each other. Um, but there's going to be a lot of people who go, nope, I don't want to live in that world. I want to live in the online world where uh, everybody's verified and I know who I'm talking to. Well, let, let, let me punch a hole in, in uh, one of the things there, and that is is that if you want to know what that uh, verified world looks like, look at uh, communist China. That now, every place you walk down the streets with their cameras, just because of Facebook pictures, they've, mm-hmm. they, they'll know you whether you're from... Uh, podunk idaho you know it doesn't yeah. matter yeah they, they, no they I, you're right and in fact they they uh, use that very technology to to monitor and to enforce um what we would consider illegal constraints on p- people within their population particularly people who have uh specific faiths in fact they don't yeah. you know as a communist country they don't support people having any faith and so if you yeah. speak out as a Christian or as a Muslim or as anything, they will then follow you, tag you, and very possibly send you off to re-education camps, which is what they're doing to a whole group of people in northern China, the Uyghurs. And that's yep. largely done by identification out on the street. But what I'm yep. saying is is that I you know, could very uh, – I have the option if I wanted to live in, uh, in an online environment where I knew who I was talking to – go to a version of Facebook or, or a competitor of Facebook or whatever, say the people who, who run the, um, uh, the uh, I've already forgotten the name of the other place, the, um, <laughs> that tells you how well it's doing, right? When neither of us can remember the name of Parler ever, we have to keep, I have to keep looking it up. It's like, what the, what is that other thing? Yeah, yeah. But say the people of Parler just say, you know, the only way you're allowed to have an account here is if we verified who you are so that you, you know, when you sign up, uh, you're not immediately allowed to do any, or maybe you're immediately allowed to read, but you're not allowed to post anything until you go through a process where we verify you. And, and that way then, uh, you know, and, and, you know, they may throw away all that information once they gathered it just, but they just want to know that you are who you say you are. 
Um, now that doesn't mean that you can't walk away from your computer and leave it logged in and somebody else could, you know, your somebody at work or somebody, you know, in your family could go type in as you. Um, but it, it takes a large chunk of that, you know, I'm anonymous so I can be as absolutely crappy a human being as I want to be, uh, to everybody around me, uh, and do a lot of flaming because people get, there's a lot of people, let's face it, that they get, that's entertainment for them. They love to do that. I, when I, when I was teaching in high school, when I was teaching in high school, I had students that would come in at lunchtime and they would go into, uh, Wikipedia pages and they would type fake stories about people. You know, they would type things about like, oh, yeah, George Washington, when he was a teenager, invented the wheel, you know, and then they would take then they would sit back and wait and watch to see how long it took them somebody to find that on Wikipedia and fix it. Mm -hmm. You know, and that was just entertainment. They just like stirring the pot. You know, there's a lot of high schoolers out there who are on the Internet and love it. And that that's their kicks. They go out there and they post stuff that's crap just to see who they can get angry because that's what they do. You know, yeah. But but it's our responsibility also to take the uneducated public and tell them about the dangers of all the information that they've put out on various social media, dangers to themselves that they don't even realize. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Well, better. I mean, as a responsible parent, you're hoping that your kid isn't posting their address, you know, inappropriate but, but, pictures, but, but, things that are going to stop them from getting a job as an adult. Responsible parents don't even know this. They, they don't know the dangers, especially I point out this video thing because everybody understands that one. But if, if you tie yourself now to everything that you've ever said and, the, and, and somebody doesn't like that, they can come after you. Yeah. You know, they can find your address, you know, and your phone number and all these other things. Yeah. There have been people who have proposed that, um, that, you know, when you turn 18, everything that you've posted before that is erased from the internet <laughs> as if suddenly yeah. there's magically at 18, you're, you're, you're now wise, but, um, but there's been some laws proposed, you know, in Europe has, has laws, uh, and, and websites are now required to be able to allow you to do this. If they practice in Europe, and this includes Facebook and Google, you have the right to be forgotten. You can go out there and just say, erase my history, erase it all. Yep. And they're yep. required to remove it from the internet. Now, the thing is, there's also places called like the Internet Archive where anything that has been put on the Internet, they keep copies of old pages. So it doesn't mean somebody can't go and find it. But yep. uh, but, uh, you know, you have the right to be forgotten. That 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 just means places, they turn not here so that you're not online. It's on a, on a disk somewhere still there. Yeah. It's just that you. Yeah, maybe. Well, it's maybe probably you can't in, access. It. Yeah, it's in backups and stuff like that. And. Um, and, and realistically, if the company has set up a thing that says, you know, in Europe, you're allowed to have the right to be forgotten, uh, doesn't mean that that stuff is erased from the rest of the world, right? Nope. I mean, they can say they want that, but they don't have any control over what happens in Africa. If they're in Europe. Wouldn't you know, po- if you're in France, Somali can have their own rules. I could tell you a few politicians like B-I-D-E-N that would love to erase some past, too. Yeah, well, he's not he's not the he's not the only one. But you're right. right. Anybody who's had any history at all and has ever taken a stand on anything that can be twisted around. And and what you you know, what what made sense and and was a popular position to take in, you know, say 1970 
is not right. necessarily the right stance and the right position to take in nineteen or in in twenty twenty one. You know, um, I really hate that. In fact, that's one of those things that bothers me about, um, especially. Uh, I mean, it's done in politics a lot, but it's done in lots of other format. Uh, arenas as well is to hold somebody accountable for something they said decades ago you know now um, right uh, you know there was um and, and i'm gonna mess up i think it was chris rock chris rock was set up to be he, he had already agreed to host the academy awards and then somebody found uh, a video of a comedy routine he was doing on stage from two decades ago and he was saying stuff that was offensive He's a comedian. He caught so mm-hmm. much flack that he actually had to resign the gig. He just said, I'm not going to do it. I, I forget yep. it. This is yep. because, and, and he quit. He bowed down to the pressure and I don't blame him. I mean, he, you know, who says he has to be the guy who, who, you know, takes a stand. Um, but it, it was really, really sad to see that he was politically browbeaten by, and I say politically, but it was, you know, he was publicly browbeaten by, by people online over something he said decades ago. And it was not even like he said it as a, you know, manifesto on who he is. He said it on stage during a comedy routine, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I think it was like, it was something where he was referring to women as whores. And it's like, okay, you know, yeah, that's offensive. But in the context of what he was doing, in the constant text of the bit and the routine, it was appropriate. And it was in a comedy club with adults. And, you know, you know, he's not going to say that at home in the living room in front of his kids and his wife. You know, that's that's a different thing. And and so you got to take the context into account, too. You know, that's it's just absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when all that stuff started to change, that's when I changed my opinion about what what was funny. I, I found myself uh, last time I went to a comedy club not laughing at all, and I got up and left before it was over. Just couldn't take it anymore. I said, this is crazy. Yeah. This is not comedy. Well, the thing is, there's good comedians and bad comedians. You know, there's always yep. been guys who worked blue. You know, yep. Red Fox was famous for having a very adult sense of humor. Um, yep. Man was funny. The man yeah. was funny, and he was able to translate that to television where he wasn't doing that. You know, he had a great career on TV doing comedy, yeah. um, you know, but there's a lot of people who like they look at somebody like um, uh, like a Red Fox or a, um, a Richard Pryor and they say, oh, well, you know, he went up there and said F-bombs and he says the N word. And so I can do that, too. And so they go yeah. up there and they drop the F-bombs and they say the N word. But they aren't funny, funny. you know, okay. it's like <laughs> yeah. the, the, the thing, you know, the, the number one thing for all comedians is you can say or do just about anything you want to as long as you are funny. You know, right. if it's not funny, then you can't say anything. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like there's nothing you can say that, that is, is going to work or be appropriate. But you can, you know, I mean, a good comedian can get away. And then, frankly, I think a lot of the, the comedians who, who do social and political satire um, you know, they attack, they approach some of the absolutely hardest things that our society struggles with. I mean, some of the topics that are, are you know, just, I mean, taboo oh, at yeah. the family dinner table, right? And and if they're, if they're good at it, they can do that. But darn it, when you're starting out in comedy and you're not that good, stay away from that stuff because you're just not good enough to pull it off, you know? Yeah. Yep. I mean, yep. you know, George Carlin could talk about anything he wanted to. He was able to do that because he was funny. 
Yeah. And he, and he was, and he was amazing at, at social satire, you know, I mean, at seeing the world and saying, this is how we behave. Isn't that stupid? And he, and he, yep. and he could do it in, and in such a humorous way. Um, uh, the, and there, you know, there's a few guys that are out. I mean, obviously today they're not working because of COVID, but there's, there's guys that are still doing that to some extent. Um, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, I think yeah. is really, really good at that kind of thing. And he could probably take on, I mean, he, I don't know that he would, but he could probably take on just about any topic and start talking about it and find a way to, to create a routine around that. That is funny. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, that, that guy at the comedy club, you know, that's the opening act for, you know, for the next opening act for the next opening act before the headliner comes out, he needs to stay in the lane, man. <laughs> it's just, you know, you're, you're not that skilled, man. There, there are topics you really need to stay away from. Um, you know, yep. and I think some of them try to be edgy at the expense of being funny and that's the wrong trade off. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I'm with you, you know. <laughs> If a com if a comedian isn't funny, don't boo him, don't heckle him, just leave. <laughs> you know, just walk yeah. out. You know, either that or you know, go to the bathroom and come back when the next guy's up. Because yeah, it's it's not right. it's not worth your time to listen to somebody who's who's just not funny. Yep. So, um, what do you think is going to happen with the with the Section Two Thirty thing? Because by the way, what what is the main objection that the democrats have to 230 because i know they object but i think it's just yeah. big business yeah here's why they object object and uh let me share a link with you so you can uh uh see you know if you want to look at it it is a list of major uh, uh the the amounts and where uh major tech companies have invested money in political campaigns and the vast majority of these, some of the companies have political action committees that the company actually put together and they put buttloads of money into it. But, uh, companies like Apple don't have political action committees, but they, they do, um, like matching funds with their, um, employees. So if an employee says, I'm going to donate to this political campaign, the company will do matching funds with that, but then it's driven by the employees. And to summarize the article that I just sent to you, the vast majority of them give 80% of their money, and we're talking billions of dollars by each of these companies, and, and just name every tech company you can think of. 80% of it goes to Democrats. Uh, somewhere between 7 and 15% of it goes to Republicans, and the remainder goes to independents and other third-party candidates and things like that. So there's why the, the Democrats don't want to do anything to upset the um, the cart when it comes to uh, big tech companies. Well, they, they mean, bought that, off I don't Republicans, think, too. Oh, they give money to both. But, I mean, it, it, but the, we're talking, uh, you know, like uh, it, it's not even an 80-20 sp split. It's like an 80-10 split of the money they give. Far more money is given to. Uh, but you look at where all the tech companies are located. All of them are located in big cities on the coasts, which are all largely very liberal. Um, so the employees that work there are largely very liberal. So even if it's driven by employee giving, um, as opposed to, um, you know, companies paying for a political action committee, it's that that's why the Democrats don't want to do anything to upset the cart, which is why I thought it was interesting that um, that during the Democratic primaries um, that a couple of them came out and said, hey, we need to do something about this. 
because uh, that kind of goes against the grain. Yeah, but you notice that conversation isn't happening now. And in fact, yeah. when when McConnell held up the idea of going to uh, increasing from six hundred to two thousand dollars, he said, "Yeah, we'll increase to two thousand dollars, but we're going to tie that to somebody doing something about Section two hundred and thirty. The Democrats all went, "Oh, wait a minute, we don't want to yep. do anything there. Let's not get hasty." Um, Frankly, I would like to see them do the $2,000 and do something about 230 because I think that, you know, we're basically at a time where everybody's being told you've got to lock down, you can't go to work, you can't, you know, if you can work from home, you can work, but you're not allowed to go into work anymore. The government needs to do something, and $600 ain't going to pay anybody's bills. Um, You know, I mean, great, but we're all going to pay for it eventually in our taxes anyway, but $600 isn't going to help anybody. I mean, you know, yeah, it'll put some food on the plate for people who who are at that point. But it's not going to help you pay your bills, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you've if you've been without a job. Now I'm lucky. I have a wife that works uh, separately from me, and she's teaching and she's doing it online, and she continues to work. You know, my business has been shut down since the middle of March. You know, I I own a small swim team. I coach. It's gone. Yep. You know. Well, that that's that, that, major that's source of my the, income. The, the the entire governmental system. Uh, is has not been affected by COVID. That that's why they should not be allowed to make decisions about small business because they don't understand. They're yeah. they're impacting people's lives in big ways, and here they are, think they know what's right for them. They're they're absolutely crazy. They're yeah. stupid, but they are. And yeah, and no, it's, there's it's there's gonna, it's it's going to come crashing down around their heads. I think especially California because out there even big business is pulling out of the state. Yeah, well, and there's there's a a, a fairly well constructed um, uh, effort to start the process of recalling the governor. Um, yeah, you know, and you know, I don't know that we need to recall the governor because I don't know that he's done anything that any other person has done. They're 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 all trying to handle an unprecedented, you know, horrible thing. I mean, we're at but, the point now in Southern California mm-hmm. where 100 percent of our hospital capacity is there. If you get sick and go to the hospital, if you're in a car accident. You know, chances yeah. of you getting in the um, in the uh, emergency room, you're probably going to have to sit and wait in the ho- in the in the uh, ambulance to get seen, because there's not enough doctors, there's no beds available. We're at 100 percent capacity everywhere, yeah. all of Southern California. Yeah. Yep, that's the that's the uh, flatten the curve that they were talking about. It it got run over, man. That curve is so yeah. steep, you can't get. Yeah, to it. we we flattened it for a few months, and then people got tired of doing what they were told, and and you know. But that said, that said, my feeling about the politicians is, and I, I've re- reiterated this several times, and in fact, have uh, brought my uh, my uh, radio co-hosts and and my brother along with me at this point. I am sick and tired of politicians picking and choosing what gets to be okay and what doesn't get to be okay. You know, I'm, you're allowed to go yep. to the grocery store, but you're not allowed to go to church. You're allowed to do this, but you're not allowed to do that. It's not their business to tell us what we're allowed to do, and we should tell them so. What they should do is they should be telling us this space has this risk. They should create a scale of risk based on the size of the facility, the amount of air handling they have, and the number of people you can put in it. And they should just say, hey, you know, if you go into this church that has 70-foot high ceilings and uh, and a good air handler and they only allow 25% in, then we're going to call that a risk factor of 30 but uh, but, you know, if you sit on an airplane with no mask on, then you're at a risk factor of 95, you know, or but they should create a calculation. And of course, I'm just throwing these numbers out. 
but just have that and then just tag everything yeah. and then and then the business can decide if they want to be open or not if they're willing to take the risk and the and the customers can decide if they're willing or not to take the risk you know if i want to go get a haircut and i want to sit in my barber shop i should be able to have somebody tell me what's the real risk of me doing that based on you know size and number of bodies and 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 then i can decide whether or not i i you know am going to risk it you know <laughs> Yeah. By, by the way, uh, you brought up one thing that I, that I laugh about, and that is masks. Uh, I am one of these people. I wear glasses, first of all. So that yeah. right away is a detector, and that says, I know if there's any air comes out around your nose and goes up on your glasses because it's immediately evident. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I fog I my glasses all up. the time. Okay, so I can see 90% of my breath is going right up. Onto my glasses. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. into your eyeballs, basically. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Now, yeah. Although you know, have... I have found I have found that if I set the mask over my nose and then put my glasses on top of the mask, it actually pinches down around the the mask, and then my breath doesn't come up into my eyes at all. Well, I I've tried everything, and it doesn't doesn't really work that way. It depends on the kind of mask you got, I guess. If it's yeah. something that's holding right and tight against your cheek, that's what you got to have done. I but proudly glasses... wear the official on-field face covering of the NFL with the Green Bay Packer logo on it. <laughs> <laughs> and well, it's a cloth mask. It's a two-layer cloth mask Cloth and, mask with a, I, uh, a a 2.5 parts per million uh, filter insert. And I and, bought and, replacement inserts. Yeah. Well, there's, there's better masks and there's worse masks. There's yeah. also better filters. I just put in my... My new filters that I got, and I used to have uh, what do they call it REV something. There's a rating on the filters for your home. A lot of people don't yeah, know this. Yeah, for your air handling unit, right? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I used to have fives, and now I got thirteens. I cost yeah. spend a little bit more, but you know, yeah. At least it. No, you're absolutely right. Better. And I did that a while back too. I did because I have allergies, and I live in a dusty, dry environment. You know, with Southern California being a desert. Um, I spent yep. some time and educated myself, and I buy higher quality filters, and I change mine every two months. Yeah, my air well, my... handler is in a in a closet that opens to the outside, so I go outside my house and open that closet door, and I find that if I don't change them, I mean, I pull them out at two months and they're dirty, and so I just said, yeah. okay. I'm not going to go with the, you know, they recommend what every six months, I think, is when you're supposed to change your filters. Well, and I well, went, mine nope, are that's not enough for me. Mine are recommended every three months. However, okay. uh, I'm so upset that uh, they don't have uh, filter uh, locations that I can, as a senior person, can safely reach. Mine are all on the ceiling, oh. and that's oh. awful. I'm not good on ladders. I have mom stand there with me, hold my hand, hand yeah. me the you know, take the dirty filter, hand me the other one. I'm, I've got yeah. my other hand on the wall so I don't fall fall you over know. i don't yeah that's dumb that's dumb and you're in a yeah. house that's designed for for Senior for people. seniors yeah that's right see i have the exact opposite problem mine is on the ground because um the air returns in my house come underneath the house and so the filter is at the air return underneath as it just goes into the air handling unit and i have bad knees a bad back and I have to crawl down on my hands and knees and wrestle this thing out of the stupid slider because mine slides in and the filter never, you have to kind of bend the filter to get it in. And once it's in, it's okay. But it's like, so it takes two hands and it's like, crap, why couldn't this thing be up where I can get to it? I'm well, down on my hands and knees. It sounds like your intake is always fresh air. 
And that, um, that works if you're for Southern California because uh, in terms of winters, you don't really have much of a furnace issue. Well, you, you, you're you using the air conditioning most of the time, right? Well, this time of year, it's been getting down to 45 degrees outside at night. So, yeah, we have a heater that comes on because I don't want my house at 45 degrees. That's a little chilly. Um, yeah. So, so I do run the heater in the summer, in the winter, but yeah, over the course of the, I mean, spring and fall, you really don't need anything. You open the windows, but, but over the summer, yeah, it gets hot here. I mean, we, we get plus 100 days and sometimes a string of them. So we run the air conditioner. The way our air handler works is it sits literally right, uh, underneath or the filter sits right underneath the air handling unit and it sucks in air from, uh, uh, from floor vents throughout the house. So floor vents are intakes. So I do two things. One is I make sure that we vacuum out and clean and keep clean all of the floor vents so that that the input uh, of air is, uh, is, is not blocked or restricted. And then, uh, and then I clean that filter or replace that filter regularly so that air comes up into the air handler and then it's blown out through the air vents that are then in the ceiling. So whether it's heating or cooling, it uses the same system. But there's yeah. a big air handler that sucks the air up from the bottom, up through the thing, and out the top. And my filter sits right at the bottom as it goes in. Uh, Whereas most okay. people's homes have an air return, like you said, <laughs> air return ducts, are, and the filter sits right there where the air goes in. If I were to do that, I would have to have little filters in each of the little floor ducts. And quite honestly, I've thought about that. I said, you know, is there a way for me to rig a small filter in each of those locations to double filter the air? It also would then keep um, dust and dirt from going down into the return ducts because I know those must have collected dust and dirt over over the years. Um, so anyway, is what yeah, it is. Okay. Well, anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Welcome to we, this we, week in air conditioning systems. <laughs> right. We, we've gone all over the place, haven't we, Todd? I think yeah. it's probably time to wrap it here anyway. I'm, yeah, we're about an hour and a half into it. Now we're on to air conditioning systems and how badly they've designed the stupid filter systems. <laughs> I don't I don't understand why every house in the world doesn't have, like, you know, a thing that you open a door, you know, a little door on the wall at standing height, and that's where the stupid filter goes in, and it should just slide in and slide out, and they should yeah. pass all the air through there. And certainly for senior homes and certainly for homes where I live, because I'm sick and tired of getting on my hands and knees and trying to fix the filter, which reminds me, it's the beginning of January. I need to go change my filters today. So that's what I'm going to be doing. (laughs) I'm going to change the filter. I I set up a reminder to change my filters. I change my air filter. I change the uh, water filter on my coffee pot and the water filter on my refrigerator. Um, And the refrigerator, I don't do every two months. Uh, it's got a, uh, a setting on it that measures the volume of water that's gone through it. And it then like lights up and dings when it's time to change that filter. So yeah, I was, was going to say everybody's got their own timer just about mine. So yeah. So. Yeah. But the air filter for the house, um, it doesn't have one built into it, but the, when I put a new thermostat on it, I put a smart thermostat in and that tells me when to do it. And so I just go in there and reset it. And then I get a little ding on my phone when it's time to do it. And I changed, like I said, I changed that cycle from, uh, the the default was every six months and i said nope not here it's going to be every two months here i don't care how much it costs uh, and i've noticed the difference yep so. well it's been good talking to you todd it has yeah it's been a great Enjoyed tuesday it. reminder that next week we're going to be on tuesday again um that uh you know, we're busy on monday so we will be uh broadcasting and recording on tuesday for those that listen and i'll have this 
up as a podcast a little bit later today. So um, thanks for joining me and listeners. Thanks for joining us. And we hope we didn't take you on too weird of a, a journey through uh, tech and politics and air conditioning <laughs> systems and such. Sorry, but, I couldn't uh, hear what you said. Ah, well, I wasn't. Did it's you hear that? No. Did you hear that? My phone said, sorry, I, I couldn't hear what you said. My watch, the, the, the Siri in my oh. watch, uh, thought I was talking to her somehow. I get that every once in a while. I must have said something that sounded similar to its call word, and it, it, it then said, I, I don't know what you're talking about. It's like, good, I oh, wasn't talking the, to you. <laughs> by, by the way, I was going to tell you about a funny incident that happened just before we came on the air. Uh, I, uh, I lose my phone a lot of times, mm-hmm. and... Maybe it's just because I have hearing aids, but they, all my sound comes out through my hearing aids. Now, have you ever thought about the problem of finding a phone? My wife will ring it, and you know the ringer comes on, and it rings in my ears, you know. And but I can't. That gives no sense of direction as to where the stupid phone is. So <laughs> and my wife can't hear it because it's coming into my ears. Is you know she she yeah. hears the same thing. <laughs> yeah, you're. It's it's somewhere within thirty feet because Bluetooth is attached, right? But but where? Right. That, yeah. That's the only way to get rid of it. And I can't turn off okay. the Bluetooth in my phone. There's no switch. <laughs> I think I think I have a solution for you. What's that? Do you want to hear it? Go. So do you have an Apple Watch on? I have a watch. Yes. Okay. So looking at your screen, put your finger at the bottom of the screen and drag up. Uh, just a minute here. Okay. Bottom, drag up. Okay. Now okay. what? So you should get six little ovals, right? One is cellular. One is Wi-Fi. One tells you how much battery you have. Uh, One tells you whether the ringer's on or not. One says put it in sleep mode. Yep, and there's one that pings the iPhone, and that uses that that doesn't doesn't go through Bluetooth. It just pings the speaker on the iPhone, and it doesn't keep pinging it. If you want to ping it again, you have to hit the tap the thing and ping it because it'll go one time. It'll go ping, 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 and that's it. And so it doesn't keep annoying you. So uh, I use that probably three times a week. Very good. I'm going to tell my wife so so that she says, well, ping the stupid phone. Don't yeah. ring it. Ping it. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Hey, guess what? Guess what? If you go to, if you have another device in your house that's on the same iCloud account, you can also go to Find My and do the same thing. You can ping any of your devices if they're oh, on the wow. same iCloud account. So you can oh, ping man. your iPad. You can ping your iPhone. You can ping your EarPods. But I have to go to that, that app first, right? Right. So you have to go to Find My. But Find My is available on all of your other apps. So if you lose one device, you can use Find My to find your device. What's and the, the reason I pointed it... Like? The what? The icon. Um, look like? Just do a search for it. Just just uh, pull down and do a search. Well, I'm, I'm not on a phone. I'm on a watch. Oh, I don't know that it's on. <laughs> um, I don't know. Hold on. Uh, is it on the watch? Let's see. It should. Oh, there it is. I know. It's the green circle with the little blue on it. Okay, there yeah. it is. So now, now I can ping. I can even ping Haley. Yeah, saying finding people. So, yeah, you can yeah. find people. You can also find devices that way. Yeah. Okay. I could ping Haley, and she wouldn't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. That's that's cool. Oh, Let's now, find now, people. Now, wait a minute. Now, if I say that's... find yeah, that doesn't work the same. I'm looking at it. It that that just finds people. Um, find my is different, and so apparently it's not on the the watch. 
Um, so the Find My app is available. Maybe you can download it. I'll have to look into it. But it's available on iOS and iPadOS. Um, and it might be on, uh, let me see if it's on, if it's on the Mac as well. Um, but mm. yeah, it allows you to find your devices and make them make a noise, which is awesome. Um, also if you've lost your device, it'll tell you where it was last activated. If it doesn't have a GPS and if it does have a GPS and it still has power, it'll tell you where it is. And if it doesn't have power, it'll tell you where it last was. And then lastly, like I said, the thing that I found interesting is it'll ping your AirPods. And because they're also tiny, they have a tendency to like fall out of pockets and slide down between cushions and things like that. Really handy to make those make some noise so you can find them. But by, by the way, the find my icon on the phone is the very same icon that I pushed on the other thing. And you, you, it, it finds people too. Uh, right. But, but it also includes devices. devices thing. So there must be a devices thing on the phone too, or on the watch. I mean, yeah, I don't. I didn't see it on the watch. We'll have to do a little investigate. Maybe we can talk about that one next week. We can share our experience with experiences with um, finding things. Um, yeah, because I'm looking on on the uh, Mac App Store, and I don't see anything called Find My here either. But there may be another way to do it from the Mac. I'll just have to do a little research. Well, I I, I told it to find my AirPods, but I I don't oh, know how to ping. Okay. Oh, play a sound. Okay, on, on the Mac, it's built in. It's just called Find My. So you do a search on the Mac, to hold down your command key in the space bar, and then do a search for Find My, and it lists all your devices and all the people who you've uh, identified in your family and or shared things with, and you can find okay. you know, phones and computers and uh, uh, AirPods and all kinds of stuff. So, yeah. and it shows it to you on a map and you can make, and when you select anything, you can make it ping or ding. You can also, um, uh, lock it remotely. So if you've lost it, so nobody else can pick up your phone and, and hack into it. Um, uh, and when you lock it, you can put a note on it. So say, Hey, this phone belongs to, and put a phone number. That's not the phone that you, that you lost <laughs> so that they can call you. So I'm digging my iPad. There you go. Now, how do I stop it? <laughs> it's playing continuously. I guess um, I gotta go, go to the iPad and open it up, and then it'll stop. Is that maybe, it? Huh? Maybe. I don't think it. I don't well, think I, it goes yeah, in. Yeah, it says sy system alert. Find my, find my iPad alert. Yeah, you actually have to yeah. go go to the iPad and turn it off. Yeah, I don't think it goes indefinitely. I think it eventually would. Uh, at some point, I don't know what that time is. It'll it would when the, stop when the battery quits, right? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably. Okay. So, anyway, well, anyway, fun fun with lost stuff, right? Right. Fun with yeah. lost stuff. Find my is a handy app, but I love the find my phone thing that's built into that little menu on the watch. I use that, like I said, a couple times a week. I'll go, "Where's my phone?" You know, and then I'll walk through the house pinging it and find that I left it in the bedroom or it's led down between a cushion on the couch. Or, hey, I left it in the car. Or, hey, it's out in my shack, my recording studio. You know, it's it's just, the, the, for whatever reason, the phone is, you know, I think when, back when we were allowed to, like, travel around outside of our houses and in, in, in the world, I kept my phone with me more. Now I just figure it's somewhere in the house. And so I get up and walk away, and I don't always pick it up and put it in my pocket because I'm, I'm like, where am I going? You know? I heard a truck go by. Is that you? Um, well, I didn't have a truck go by, but it sounded like a helicopter flew over top. Uh, oh, you know, I, I'm, okay. I'm in a that's, fairly that's... soundproof space, but uh, that was pretty loud, so they must have been pretty low. Yeah. So I was going to say duck, duck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
because I mean, when I'm sitting here, I've got an air conditioning um, compressor unit that's you know three feet outside my my shack here, and you can't hear that when it goes off, and it's pretty loud. But uh, unless yeah. I open the door, but yeah, if that helicopter came over, it must have been low because um, you know, you know how they are. Sometimes they fly over, and things literally in your house are starting to rattle. You know, yeah, vibrate off of tables and stuff if you're not careful. <laughs> so. All righty. Well, we said we were going to wrap it up, and then we talked another five minutes. So why don't we call it a quits? Thank you again for joining us. I will talk with you next week, Dad. Have a great week, and you we'll too, see Todd. you later. Bye-bye. Bye.